Carter, I didn't know you were going to join us for this. Are you here to congratulate the Chelsea FC on a Champions <laughs> League championship? That's so nice of you. I should really, I should really end this whole damn episode right now because I'm just getting absolutely blindsided. This was Come not, on. this was not a part of the program. Give, give me the flowers. Give me personally the flowers, and then give my club the flowers. <sighs> Congratulations, man. Congratulations. Um, I mean, mainly the reason that you're even a fan of this team is because of me. So you're welcome. Okay. Um, half true. Half true. Yeah, half true. So, uh, yeah, I'm definitely sick about it. I'm not going to lie. Um, and just so everyone knows, I'm not backing out. My 90 minutes of running is coming. Probably going to be early next week, to be honest. Uh, but it's going to happen. So stay tuned for that. And it will be live streamed. We have to find a way for everyone to watch this. I want to yeah, yeah. be there in person. So even if that means like a little day trip from me, I'll make it happen. All right. Yeah, it does be live streamed. But also it will be uh, reminiscent of a real soccer game. There will be tactical fouls. There will be a couple of, you know, long <laughs> getting ups off the ground. Uh, maybe, you know, a couple balls out of play. But uh, yeah, the, the run will be done. Don't worry. Hydration breaks, all that. Hydration. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely going to be getting up super slow for sure, because that's a lot of running, my boy. So, Carter, I'm a new soccer fan, obviously. Like, I am i don't know anything. I don't I barely understand the game, man. But do you do you mean to tell me that there's whole clubs that haven't won a Champions League that haven't raised the cup? That's not uh, a, that's a thing. You know what? I know it's a bad time to say this and I got to read the room. But uh, if I could, I'd spit on you right now. <laughs> Uh, Cause that's so disrespectful, but yes, there is clubs out there that have done that. And I'm one of those clubs. That's my team. It's still my team. I don't care. We're going to have a larger conversation this week. I believe Tuesday on the locker room app with the lovely Michael Lofton and some other folks about this championship and about some big picture soccer storylines in general. Uh, they pulled in Carter and I both for the assist a la Mason Mount Kai Havertz back of the net and uh Carter I'm just very happy you know I'm happy you have to run I'm happy that I'm 2-0 against you in these crazy bets on the sleepers podcast I'm happy that I keep tricking you into doing this as Ant Wright said on Twitter why does he keep agreeing to do this I don't know but uh, I'm gonna bask in this for a little bit because not only did I just win a major championship I'm just really happy yeah you're a dick how about that (laughs) and where'd you even get that Chelsea shirt from Oh, don't worry. I've been saving it. (laughs) Like, where did that even come from? I've been saving it, my friend. It's been in the closet. I knew there was going to be a a cup race this year, and I've been waiting for the appropriate time to unveil it. So here we are. Um, You know, I really wanted Pooley to bury that one, I will say, and we'll talk Mm -hmm. more in length about this at another time. Because, Carter, we have an episode, a full episode of the Sleepers podcast that we are dropping right now with the wonderful Lee Bailey. Do you want to you want to promote your boy Lee here? Yeah, I'll give a short little preview. So Lee, one of my really good childhood friends, I've known him honestly since we were born. Both my, our dads are fraternity brothers. So literally me and Lee have been boys our whole life. And my whole life that I've known Lee, Lee's been a bucket. All right. So my boy Lee went to Chaminade, uh, did his thing there. I mean, he's all on the all-time ranks in Chaminade history. For those who don't know, Chaminade is a school that plays in the Maui Classic and hosts the Maui Invitational. Sorry, Maui Invitational and hosts the Maui Invitational. Lee was a part of that, had some classic games there. 
And now he's working for a sports agency, ISE, out of California. And he's been doing a lot of things out there with their social media. Uh, a couple of their clients include Killian Hayes, a piston, Killian Hayes, young Killian, Cassius Stanley, Andrew Bogut, the name of few. Um, so he's been doing the pre-draft thing right now, and he's also just a great basketball mind. So I thought, why not? Why not have him on the Sleepers Pod? And he's also a Michigan fan, so you guys can relate about whatever bullshit y'all got going on. Yeah, there's a jersey change that's about to happen. Uh, but yeah, pumped for this. This will be a long form episode, first one in a while. So hope you guys like it. Uh, without further ado, Lee Bailey. It's the Sleepers Podcast. Great guest for you today, Lee Bailey, Shamanad legend, agency extraordinaire. He's been in all sides of hoop. And uh, maybe most importantly, he is boys historically with Carter Elliott, proving the fact that Carter did have friends growing up. Uh, so I'm pretty pumped about this conversation. Car, you should probably give Lee some uh, some high praise before we get into it, though. No, I spent a lot of time on this little blurb, this little note here. And there's a lot of a lot of not a lot of numbers, a lot of stats and numbers do not lie. Lee Bailey ended his career at Chaminade University. Six on the all-time scoring list with 1,426 points. Fifth in steals to debunk the theory that he didn't play defense. And also seventh in assists to also debunk the theory that he's only a scorer. Those numbers might be skewed because I watched a lot of games and he got a lot of shots up. But like I said earlier in our little intro before this, Lee has been a bucket since we have started playing basketball all throughout his career from 3XTs all the way down to, you know, him just going short, short swag at Chaminade. But my boy has always been a bucket and always been a good basketball mind. So, you know, we're honored to have him here on this episode to talk hoops. And uh, I thank you for being here, Lee. How you doing? No, I appreciate y'all having me, man. Big, big fan of you guys. Big fan of the show uh, and the pod in general. So, you know, excited to get on here and talk some hoops. Oh, yeah. Lee, Lee's always the first person to text me and uh, uh, call me out on any bullshit I say on the pod. So he's he's uh, he's an avid listener and longtime locker room user, listener and promoter. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, Lee, Lee was on Lee was on our first uh, our first locker room episode, wasn't he? I'm gonna say he was one of the very original guests on the first episodes of the locker room live versions of the Sleeper Show, uh, and he gave me the green light to wear the new Hunter Dickinson Michigan jersey. So just want to show that off for the camp. Yeah, it was, uh, uh, just just throwing that out there. It's good to, good to know that Greg likes to support second round draft picks. Uh, here we go. Yeah, I'm just saying. I ain't, I ain't, I ain't gonna be teamed up by two Michigan guys. Not not on this not on this year pod. No, you can't you can't fake you can't fake brand man. You can't fake the brand. Can't can't. But uh, shit, let's get right into it, Lee. Um, for those uh for those kind of who don't know you, you just want to kind of just tell everybody uh you know what you're doing right now. What you you know I gave you a little college stats and whatnot, but you know you're you're kind of far removed from that at this point. So kind of tell me what you uh get a people tell them what you do right now. What you kind of working on out there in Cali? Yeah, uh, so currently I'm working for the sports agency ISC Worldwide or Independent Sports and Entertainment. Uh, I'm the director of basketball operations as well as our social media manager. So um, right now we're heavy in the pre-draft process, um, you know, really just having our clients prepare on and off the court um, to try to set them up to get in the best first draft position and then obviously, you know, best, best rookie year overall, so. 
that's kind of where we're at. Okay, cool, cool. And do you kind of have a, like a hands-on experience with the pre-draft process or what's kind of your role with the pre-draft process? Cause I know there's a lot of hands in that thing and a lot of, a lot of moving parts that goes into that. Definitely a lot of hands, definitely a lot of moving parts, but yeah, I'm very hand-on. Uh, I'm, I'm with the guys a lot. They're actually uh, training out of Memphis, but this last week um, we had them out here in LA. So that was a very full, very uh, busy week um, filled with workouts and, and some media opportunities, but Definitely uh, love working with the guys, love getting to know the guys through this process. So, um, you know, really trying to form a relationship to, to you know, really build over their career and not just have like, you know, basically, you know, a, almost only a business relationship, like really get to get personal with the guys right now. So it's one of my favorite parts of the other job. Oh, yeah, definitely good to have a connection. Are you hopping in any of these hoop workouts or are you, you, you staying on the side with it? Man, you know, I'll get a couple shots up, but nah, you know, I, I let the guys get there. Hey, my, my, you know, I got my work in when, when the time was right, but, you know, I'll let these guys prepare and, you know, I'll hop in and play a little D or, you know, come off a screen and roll and get some passes off every once in a while if needed. But nah, you know, I, I let them, I let them do their thing for sure. <laughs> Are you letting Killian Hayes go left if you're one V one? Let's be honest. Like, <laughs> you're not letting him I'm get left, right? right? Killian, Killian stuff. Either way, either way, either way it goes. Especially in a one v one setting, you you don't really you don't want to get on that island. So, uh, you know, I'm definitely excited to see him grow and and you know get to both sides for sure. So I want to know because I I'm unfamiliar with ISC until I started just talking to you and this stuff. Is ISC like history wise? what was it like when you discovered them and when you entered the organization? And then obviously to, to end up with a client like Killian last year, who ends up going seventh in the draft, having a, a up and down rookie year, the injury riddled, but I mean, damn down the stretch, he played some really great basketball. Um, is that like a normal thing? Like is the history of ISC having lottery picks left and right, or was that sort of a new big time accomplishment for you guys? Uh, no, we have. We've had a uh, so we really started off as as relativity sports and we ended up changing the name. I think it was that was before I got here, but I want to say like five or six years ago. And that was because uh, we had a major agent death and then we had a couple guys uh, kind of reorganized after that. But it was definitely a time where we had a powerhouse. And when I came on uh, three years ago. Uh, I was brought on by Joe Dumars, who was the president of basketball operations at the time, who uh, it's one of my mentors, one of my good friends. And um, he, you know, he was kind of in charge of, of rebuilding at that point. And that's kind of when we got connected in with Killian and his agent, Jan, who's now our, uh, you know, not only a great NBA agent, but our director of international basketball. But um, really now just getting into the, into the rebuilding point. I mean, we have a huge baseball practice, a, a very good football practice. And and now, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to be here kind of at the, you know, ground up stage of, of, of building the basketball department. And I think we have two good guys uh, going into this, actually two great guys going into this year's draft. So. Okay. And before we touch on those two new guys, because one of the guys was one of my favorite players in college basketball next year. But before we get to that, we do have a lot of Pistons people that follow this podcast. So, Lee, I'm going to have to have you comment and, you know, tell the people, because there's a lot of people freaking out about Killian. So I need you to kind of, tell people to calm down and take a break real quick. So go, go ahead. And talk Lee, a little I got to preface this though. I got to preface this. I know Killian's your guy. I know this, but we, we don't yeah. let liars come on the sleepers podcast. And <laughs> I know you've listened well, to this is. Carter and I have been like, we don't know. Should we trust Killian? Should we not? So give us, give us the realness, give the listeners the realness. I, I mean, I think the, I think the key thing to remember with Killian is, is, you know, I mean, 
he's still super young. And I mean, you, you got Luca, but out of a lot of European guys, you know, it, it's tough. It's tough to make that shift for, for anybody, even guys coming fresh out of college and things like that. It's tough to make that jump. And especially, you know, he, he had the injury battles and things like there, but I think he did show the potential and, and he's back in Detroit working out now uh, directly with the team. So I think they know what they want out of him. I think he's kind of got a sense of, of what they need out of him. So now that the, the workouts can be really directed towards his NBA game and his role in the game, I think, I think prison fans should definitely be excited about his, his role moving forward. And obviously, like I said, I've seen him in the gym and I was there through his pre-draft process and things like that. So I've seen the worker that he is and, and he, he's not, he's definitely not about to hold his head on, you know, maybe not having the exact year. He, you know, he may have won it, but you know, he's, I think he's feeling excited and ready to ride the momentum from the end of the season. And, and you no, know, really, really, he believes what he says, you know, he believes in the young group. He believes in the young Pistons. And I think that uh, along with his personal motivation is, is, you know, really going to motivate him to, uh, you know, up his game and come back for, you know, a very exciting year two for Pistons fans. <clears throat> His, sure. his poise and his leadership stuck out to me. Like, I thought from, from what I had seen just in clips, it's like he could be a high-level shot maker. He's got a really good offensive feel. He's got good defensive instincts and just foundation to build upon. But, like, he was out there talking. He was out there directing. He was out there, like, being a good chemistry guy right away, which you don't always see from rookies. So, I think I told Carter, like, midway through the season, like, to me as a fan – we know at the very least he's going to be a pretty elite facilitator right now, a really high level defender and like a really good floor general as a point guard. So like, if that's the foundation, that's a great foundation to build upon. And then now I I'm curious because Pistons, there's all this buzz of like Killian might play the two next year. Do you think that's, is that a natural move? Is that something Killian wants to do? Um, I don't know if it's a natural move. Um, I think Killian's a true point guard. And I think just as, as a lot of the qualities you said he shows, I think he, you know, I think a lot of that is because he was born and, and raised a, a point guard the whole time. I do think he's realized. And I think that, you know, the people around him have realized that his ability to make plays has also made him realize that he can get to where he wants on the floor. And the way the NBA works these days is, is guard score. You know, it's a, it's a guard scoring and guard, you know, heavy league at this point in time. And, I think that now that he's in the position to where a team has invested in him and, and took that time to, you know, really say, we're, we're going to give you this time. We're going to put the ball in your hands to realize that with the ball in his hands that much that, you know, his, his ability to score. And I shouldn't say his ability to score, but he now has, you know, to look for his ability to score way more rather than just getting other people involved, which I think is like the natural thing for him because he really is just, as I said before, like he's a real team guy. He's really team oriented and, things like that. But I think now he's realized that, um, you know, the opportunity is there to impact the game even more and, and really be that, you know, true go-to guy. And if that means playing off the ball sometimes because he can, then then he can do that. But I, I don't I don't necessarily think it'll be like a forced issue or anything like that. Definitely. I mean, I could see maybe a Killian Cade backcourt, Killian, Killian Jay Green backcourt, maybe Killian Evan Mobley. The possibilities are there as long as we don't get screwed in the lottery. I think hey, it should be I all mean, right. Hey, are you leaving I, Jay I, Suggs I off the list? I think he was, oh, oh, oh my fault. My fault. Jay Suggs is on the list too. Jay Suggs is on the list too. Don't worry. Jay Suggs definitely on the list too. Relax. But but just as I said, I, I think the way the league is going, and it's such an up and down league that I mean, we're really starting to see a, a, a positionless game anyway. You know, it's 
if you have the ability to do it, then then do it. It doesn't matter, you know, how tall you are or what. So I think whoever they, you know, they get in this year's draft, I'm sure will be a great player. He's still going to find, you know, he's still going to have the ball in his hands plenty. And I think he's still going to be able to get out and, and, you know, show his ability to score even more uh, in the next year. So last Killian last question for me, what's his ceiling as a shooter? Is he like a guy that we expect to hit 40% from three at some point? Cause obviously he had ups and downs really more downs than ups with the spot shooting is in his rookie year. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think the I think the ceiling is, is is high. I think the potential is there. And just as I said, he's a worker. Um, I mean, it's 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 a shift that the, the NBA line is, you know, it's different. And people don't necessarily realize that from a TV perspective. But, you know, when you're coming off and especially, you know, Killian likes to step back a lot and things like that. It's you know, it's 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 a difference. It's a difference in that line. So I think now getting another year under his belt and. And, you know, obviously, and, and not to make an excuse, but, you know, adjusting to a whole new league and, and having it be a COVID year at that, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to really get in your routine and, and, you know, get consistent with anything. So I, I think, um, you know, just like I said, Pistons fans should, should, should definitely not, you know, not necessarily take this, this first year as an indication of what's to come because he's going to work, he's going to get better. And I, I think the, uh, you know, I think the, the door is open for him to become a better shooter, for sure. Lucky for us, Pistons fans never overreact. Ever. <laughs> never. Hey, you know, I want to say, you know, I, I'm, I'm born and I'm, I'm raised, so, you know, obviously I, I want to see the Pistons do well, but, you know, I, I you know, I've, 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 been in the, I've been in the city for a while, so. Hey, every now and then there's grown man tears being shed over uh, guys that get coaches do not play coaches' decisions in the playoffs, so. uh Oh, Look, some, sometimes we overreact a little bit. It is what it is. But I will say, Killian, when, in that first preseason game, one of his first shot attempts was the old James Harden double footwork step back three. And I don't even think he hit the rim. But I remember texting Carter immediately saying, the fact that this kid has the footwork down and the green light to take a shot like that in his first game bodes really well for my perception of his shooting abilities. So I think, like, you can see it's all there. They didn't go in, and he was hurt for a huge portion of the season. So I, I kind of want to write it off, but I'm still excited about his ceiling as a shooter because I there was a lot of off-the-dribble shots in the overseas footage that I saw that I still okay. think is there as untapped potential. So yeah. and, and I think, Lee, I think you made a great point, too, like, because I think that's something that people might overlook or not even I honestly personally I didn't even think about that like a person who is so reliable on a step back shot like that extra foot and that extra distance could definitely throw somebody off and throw someone's you know jump shot off like it's it's little things like that but I think it's very you know refreshing to hear as well that someone who personally worked with Killian and seen what he does in the gym because I know you know we I for those of you who don't, for those who don't know, Lee's a worker himself. Like Lee, Lee's in the gym with it. Lee was always in the gym with it, and you know, I'd sometimes scurry in there with him and you know, get in the gym myself. But Lee was always in the gym, always. You never had to worry about him. So if he can recognize Killian's work ethic, then it's stamped in my book. And most definitely, I mean, well, the one thing about Killian is he—he's a pro's pro. You know, like he is—he saw his dad work. His dad was a, a pro overseas a lot of his young life, and. He saw that and and they've kind of raised him to that. And he's been, you know, he he didn't go to, you know, he didn't go to college and, and do the, you know, student, you know, student athlete lifestyle. He's been a pro for for years and he's gonna work like that uh moving forward. So I think like that's one of the biggest things that 
you know, people may not know and get to see, you know, behind the scenes is, is like I said, he's, he's a true, he's a true pro uh, in every aspect of the work. And he's going to work um, to, you know, to be the best player on the court again in that regard. <clears throat> so you just, you talked about various routes. You just mentioned like he, he obviously didn't play college. He has been raised to be a pro. And now with the G League route, G League night opening up with the overtime elite league, with the college route and with overseas, there's a ton of different ways for elite prospects to make their dreams come true. I'm curious from the agency perspective and the agency side, are any of these better routes that you would point kids toward or is it really individualized in what they should do and what they should decide? I mean, I, I definitely think it's individualized. I mean, I don't even think that, I mean, it's only been what a, a year of the G league at night. So it's really hard to even see, you know, how things not to mention it was a G league bubble year. So it was, you know, even the G league at night guys didn't get the full, you know, G league season experience uh, as they normally would. And I mean, the overtime league is definitely something interesting. I mean, I've, I've seen, I saw the Thompson's, I saw the Thompson's play twice uh, last month in person and they're two of the best players in the country, you know, easily easily they they do whatever they want out there and i think they're that they'll be better shooters as as they move forward but they can do anything they want on the court you know what i mean it's almost hard it is hard to tell them apart i was watching them literally for a half before i realized i'm like man this kid is getting off and then i'm like oh zero am well, i'm like man this kid is doing having his way out here and has a high motor no, but um no nah, i mean they're great so i, I mean i think I think now, it, I mean, it's just going to be important for kids to, to really realize the situation and not necessarily get caught up in the number because there are bigger numbers to come once, once you get to the league. So I'm, I'm not necessarily saying I advocate for any of the other leagues or, and I'm definitely not saying I advocate for the NCAA because I, you know, I don't necessarily do that either, but uh, I do think it's a situation basis. I do think there's situations where college is the right situation for kids. And I think college can really help kids. Um, especially in terms of like the promotion and things like that. You, you can't, you can't beat the ESPN and, you know, CBS promos that you, that you get playing in, you know, you know, the SEC or, you know, even the big 10 and things like that. So, like I said, I think it's a situation by situation basis, but these leagues are giving kids, you know, they are giving families life-changing amounts of money and, you know, giving a paying for college, you know, offering them the, you know, option to get college paid for and things like that. So it's not that, they're taking college completely out the picture necessarily, but you know, it, it, it'll be interesting. It'll just be interesting to see how these next couple of years pan out and how some of these guys, you know, from the overtime league and from the G league that have actually spent the full season in the G league, you know, start to pan out and see how it translates towards the league. So even though I think those kids all, I'm all, I'm all for the giving kids options movement. Like just, it's, it's not a case where you got to really pick a side. You don't have to. I mean, if you really want to spend most of your day arguing which is better, I mean, go right ahead. That's good for you. Not really want how I want to spend my day. But, you know, what kids having options is a good thing to me. And if a kid wants to get a $500,000 contract and not have to go to Algebra 2, can you fucking blame them? Exactly. I mean, just like I said, I mean, we get we get caught up, but $500,000 and, and to, you know, to any family, no matter what your financial situation is, is, is a life-changing amount of money. Right. You know, you can, what you can do with that and invest in that, or, you know, even just buy straight up with that, you know, you, you, you can do a lot of options open up for, for the family as a whole, not only, not only the kids. So just like I said, I'm not necessarily saying that's the best move, but I am saying like, 
you know, it, it's a route, and I think a lot of kids will take, you know, the overtime league and the G League route uh, very serious in years to come, especially the overtime league, because now you're, you're talking about multiple years, you know, not even in high school and, you know, playing like that. So it's interesting. <laughs> Hey, and for all talent agencies, I hope you just heard that. $500,000 is life-changing amount of money. Imagine what Sleepers Media could do with that money. I'm just saying. Hey, I mean, we're, hey. we're Jeff Goodman endorsed as of a week ago. So, hey, you know what I'm saying? The guy knows a little bit about college basketball, and he, you know, somehow he agrees with what we say. I don't know, you know, two, two plus two equals four, but, hey, you know, it is what it is. Hey, and, Cart, there's going to be people wondering. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. They, for sure. There's listeners who are, who have listened who are going to know and notice where the ad read go. No locker room ad read this episode. We need a sponsor. Doors open. Slide in. I had to do my shameless plug. Plug. I apologize. But um, also, last quick thing I love about the overtime league. Carter knows this about me. I love twins playing basketball and they've just cornered the market on that like that's the funnest <laughs> they, thing ever hey, all, hey, all so elite twins cut down the elite twin market for the next three years so, <laughs> the, the elite twin the, hey let's notify let's let's oh, let's hone in on the elite twins get them that's four right there so <laughs> let's go and like, like i said I'm, I'm big fans of both of them honestly i've seen the dewey twins only on the internet and you know they're, they're clips but I've seen the tops of twins in person and, and yes, they've cornered the twin markets, but they've also cornered some of the best players, le legit some of the best players in the country. I mean, they're going to be, I think they're what top 25 right now. And I don't think they've ever been on the circuit. They've been playing with Florida pro. So they haven't even been like in the EYBL or in the Adidas league yet. So once they go on the circuit this summer, it'll, it'll only be up in there. Cause like I said, they do whatever they want. <laughs> So, like, with the, you know, like kind of piggyback off G, what G said, like, the change in the landscape and things like that. So, are you seeing yourself, like, you're going to all these elite, like, high school tournaments now? Because, like, I mean, basically, these kids could be, you know, clients of yours because they can make – I mean, Scoot Henderson already skipped his senior year of, of high school and went right to the G League. So, like, you can go to these Nike EYBL events, and it's a case where those kids could be playing for you. I know the G League night coach, Rod Strickland, has been going to a couple of games of Imani Bates and Jalen Duran these past couple of weeks. So uh, kind of talk about how, you know, your your travel schedule is and kind of watching some of these elite kids play. And, and for the tournaments that you've been to so far, are there any other players that you can kind of tip us off to that are, you know, maybe people don't know about or you can stamp the fact that the, that person is a pro or a top player? Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's different. And I, I, agencies are going to have to adjust like everyone else because, again, you know, we, we don't know. You know, we don't know how the league is going to turn out. We don't know. You know, we're, we're, we're kind of playing it by ear and, and moving as the leads change. And I'm not a certified agent, so my rules are much more lenient if I, than if I was, you know, a certified agent actually representing because then the line becomes much more thick in terms of uh, what you can and can't do. Right. Um, but for me, I mean, it, 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 it's, it, it's just like I said, it's, it's, it's weird and it's, it's a different to where you don't want to overstep. And, you know, we, we, we've seen some of, uh, you know, one of, my, one of my good friends growing up, you know, got, got in some trouble with, you know, the NBA and the, the law and things like that. And it, it's, it's, it's a very quick, you don't, but just like you said, the, the jump is quick for kids. So you don't want to overstep, but at the same time, you know, you got to, you got to be there and you got to see who's who because, you know, just as you said, the kids at junior high school next to, you know, they skip a year another pro. So it's, you know, it, it's, 
it's, it's very weird. And like I said, it's, it's cool for me because I don't have to worry about, you know, certain things as much because I'm not certified and I'm not the one directly representing our players. Um, but it, it will be, uh, it, it will be interesting to see how agencies and other people like that uh, adjust going into kids being younger and them being, you know, technically pros that, you know, all the twins are going to be what 16 and, you know, technically be pro, you know, they're pros now in America. So it's, 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 it's different. And as, as we said, it's never been done before, but, and the rules are going to change a lot because you don't, you know, at the same time, you don't want to start throwing money at these kids and then kids start getting exploited regardless. Granted, I guess you can't really be exploited more than the NCAA and not getting paid, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, that, that, that's a whole different conversation, but you know, you, you, you want to make sure that there's still guidelines. And I'm definitely an advocate for that because you don't want to, just like I said, you want, you don't want to start throwing money in these kids' faces and they get into situations that don't actually help them because there is, you know, as, as I said, there's bigger bags to come uh, if you actually get to that top level. Yeah. It's, I've always heard it's the second contract, not the first contract. Not that, I mean, shit, if I signed a first contract, I'd be out. I mean, let's call it, it a exactly. career. I'm it, good. I'm good. You know, you're good. And, and just like I said, like you get, even with these leagues, you know, there, there's so many big numbers thrown around these days. You, you, you know, you start to lose the appreciation of what a million dollars actually is and, and, and what a million dollars can actually do for a person and, you know, an entire family, an entire family at that, especially when it's coming on a yearly basis. But, but yes, to follow your statement is definitely the second deal. I mean, you know, rookie contracts are, they're, they're laid out. It is, it is what it is. You're going to get what you're going to get. And there's a little room for negotiation here and there to, get the best situation but overall you know numbers are pretty set in terms of the in terms of the rookie scale so with the next deal and and you know trying to get the years and the guarantees and things like that and in, in terms of the second contract definitely the story of a lot of dudes who after that rookie contract they find themselves out of there and then it's it's hard to get back in once you're out of there and also to everyone who is hating on these leagues throwing bags, just know that there's bags being thrown by all leagues and the NCAA being one of those leagues. If you think there ain't bags that are being delivered and secured, get your head out your ass. It's, it's happening. Yeah, you know, the bags are being secured one way or the other. Card, they throwing bags in East Lansing? Are you breaking news on the pod? Shit, I hope so. Fuck it. Get it done. Why not? Hey, I'm not, hey, but just as you said, back, bags have been thrown whether, uh, they were over or under the table. So, you know, it's nothing new and just giving the guys, I mean, I think just, as you said earlier, giving just giving guys choices and, and, you know, more opportunities for these elite players to, to profit and make the most, because as you said, I mean, the, the, the time is short, you know, especially once you get to the league, you really either make it or you don't. I mean, we even see with Killian, who's, you know, not even 21 and, you know, it's tough after their rookie year. People are already like, all right, what are we going to do? Are we move? you know, are we moving on? Are we believing in them? Like, you know, it's, it's right now. You don't got too long to, to really prove yourself in the league, you know, no matter when you're coming in. So, you know, if you can, if you can make a, you know, three quarters of a million dollars before you even have to get to that point and prove yourself, you know, hey, more, you know, more power to you. hundred <clears throat> percent. All right. So I, I want to pivot toward some stories from your playing days. Carter alluded to this at the top, but Chaminade top tens across the board in stats. Chaminade being the home of the Maui Invitational, which I assume most people listening to this already know. But where do we start from, I guess, the story of your playing days? Like you're, I mean, you're Michigan based to grow up. How did you end up at Chaminade? Yeah. Uh... <laughs> 
Uh, cra- crazy situation. My coach actually, uh, so my coach and I came to get, came in together my first year. So my coach was actually at another school and somebody ended up uh, out of West Virginia and, you know, they had recruited me. He was the assistant there and not the head coach, but he had recruited me hard and, and young and it didn't work out there. Uh, mainly because I was a dual sport athlete in, in, uh, in high school. So I didn't even know at the time if I was going to play football or basketball. So Lee was so this, good at sports, y'all. Lee right? was good at track. Like, uh, Lee was good at hey. basketball. Lee was good at football. Lee you, you, Carter, you say this like you haven't made me watch your football highlights every time I've come to your house. Oh, yeah. Because they, they right. go. <laughs> hey, they're going hey, up. Hey, they're good 4-4 four, four back pursuit. <laughs> exactly but you know so I, I didn't know and I had you know I had a few kind of mid-major division one offers but a lot of those got taken away I shouldn't say taken away but other guys committed once I didn't sign in that early uh signing period so anyway my coach um recruited me there didn't work out but once he got the job uh called me the day after he got the job officially I was the first kid he offered first signee and then uh I mean it was it, I don't want to use the cheesy match made in heaven, but for me as a player, it really was like he really brought the best out of me as a as a player, most definitely as a scorer. And I, I was lucky to have the opportunity to come in and have the ball in my hands a ton, uh, even from my freshman year. So um, it, it, it was just just like I said, it worked out perfect for me, which was really it was really honestly, it was a lot of luck, a lot of luck that came with it. But, I was just I was just going to say, I think the funniest part of this story was Lee was actually uh committed to Dayton and he was going to play football and basketball at Dayton and I'm talking like he was committed like it was happening like we went to his grad party and there was Dayton balloons Dayton hats like he had I had, his, I had a jersey I had a jersey number I had a roommate at right Dayton like football. it was like he was at Dayton I was, I was there. I, yeah, I, I was like planning that. trips to go to Dayton to watch this dude play and I was actually I think we were in the mall or something and he had got a call with like a Hawaii area code number and he got the call and I'm like someone's bullshit like someone's fucking with you like this this can't be true I mean, like you're going you're literally going to date in a couple of little bit not at that time but we used to play around like sometimes well it was more when we were younger but people would like fake a call and be like oh this is Duke you know like or something like that and then like somebody get all serious so I'm like Hawaii you know like uh like and I had never heard from them like at this point and this was late like we said this is late in the process this is like May and June going into my freshman year of college but got the call and I mean my coach's pitch really was to me like you know first he's like you know we got the Maui Invitational so you get a couple TV games which you know pretty much no other D2 in the country can promise you actually no other can promise you unless you make it to the final four, which, you know, obviously is, is tough for, it's tough for anybody. And most kids don't see that in their college career. So you have that. And then he was just like, look, you could spend, you know, a year in Ohio, or he was like, worst case, you're going to get a free year living in Hawaii. If you hate it, you know, I'm sure that, you know, I'm sure there'll be options for you to go back. And I'm like, all right, you know, it makes sense. You know, it makes sense. And, and like I said, I mean, I couldn't, you, you couldn't take me away after I got there. So like it was, it was opportunities to go to, you know, a couple bigger schools, um, especially after the, my, the Maui Invitational my first couple of years. But um, I just loved it. Like the atmosphere, his style of coaching, our style of play, like it was it was it was just perfect for me out there. <clears throat> so this Dayton story, which I had no idea of, was this prior to Archie Miller era Dayton? This was Archie Miller uh, Dayton. Yeah, wow. this was right after uh, BG left Dayton. 
Wow. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm not going to force you to go anywhere, but we did interview other Dayton Flyer alum, Devin Oliver, on this podcast. And he has some choice words about Archie Miller. So I've, I got to open the door. Like, is was the Archie Miller I, I, part of the reason to move away? Not at all. I mean, it, it, it was part of the financial situation of going to both. Like, I needed both to play. And, like, knowing what I know now is just impo- it's impossible to I, – I shouldn't, I shouldn't say it's impossible, but it is very tough to juggle one college sport and do everything else, let alone, like, trying to be on two teams – actually be effective and play you know on on both levels so having the opportunity to to go and have everything paid for at at Chaminade was um I mean it it, it was so no I I don't know Archie Miller at all so I have no you know I have nothing good nor bad to say outside of what I've seen and I mean they had some good squads there I can't say that but uh other than that like I I don't you know I I wouldn't know him at all so hey all all I know is I was FaceTiming Lee the first week of school and this man was on the beach (laughs) <laughs> like uh, yeah, the beach was the beach was at his dorm like you go out the door and there's a beach like you could not it beat was, that it, it was just a it was surreal like it would be you know sometimes i'll be i had a moped out there like that's a lot of people have mopeds not cars on a moped i'll be riding around looking around sometimes like what am i doing out here like how did <laughs> i end up here like <laughs> So we, nah, we, was, like I said, we, it was love. <laughs> we, we've made every player guess, I think, just talk us through, like, did you ever have a big man on campus moment? And, I mean, I can imagine playing in the Maui Invitational, being the best player on the team for multiple years, and you're in the islands of Hawaii. Like, that's got to be some people's dreams out here. Like, give us give us any sort of story. Was there ever, like, a, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm that boy on these islands. I've run these <laughs> islands. Uh, I, I wouldn't say that necessarily. Like it was, it was love. Like we, our, uh, our basketball liar. team. Liar. <laughs> not so. I, I mean, when we won, when we won the Maui, when we won the Maui Invitational, we came back and not. We didn't. I shouldn't say we won the Maui Invitational. When you won that game, I was just gonna say, talk about the uh, game you won. Because I, yeah, I, I know you. I know you're feeling yourself. Definitely, we beat Texas and we came back and they had like, you know, through like it. Was, we had like snacks and stuff in our room and people had like postered our like our our dorm wall because we still like live with everybody else and stuff like that so like that was a, that was a cool moment but I mean our team overall like we got heavy support we're like Shaman's a small d2 overall like we get the Maui Invitational but other than that like I think only two or three sports are actually fully funded basketball women's volleyball maybe I don't even think softball is fully funded so like a lot of a lot of the sports are very up and down uh at the school at times but Basketball is obviously something that they put money behind and obviously get a lot from the Maui Invitational and hosting that. But um, we, we always got love on campus because, I mean, frankly, we were, we were pretty, we were good and we kind of put the school on the map in terms of the Maui Invitational. So like, that's how people would know us from our basketball team. So we, it was never a big man on campus because like nobody really, I would never say there was like a downtime. Like people always like, you know, like, from the time I got there, like, it was love. Like I said, I played well early, too. So, like, that was kind of like I was, like, the basketball guy from the time I, you know, from the time I was on campus and became more by the time I left. But, like, it, it was it was always, like, a huge support system there in terms of the basketball team. <clears throat> got you. And so, and before we move on to something else, can I get a comment out of you about how you busted Davis, uh, John Stockton's son's ass? David Stockton, please. <laughs> <laughs> please, please. I mean, I, I did well. I did well against smaller guards, and I, I I say that like I'm a big guard, but I, 
I'm really like I'm not, but I did like I I I scored off the dribble a lot. So whenever I can get to my spots and I can shoot over somebody, I was gonna have a high scoring game. So it got to that point with them, and I, I hit a couple early. And at that point, I was about to say it, it hit the point where like I was just getting anywhere I wanted and shooting right over them. So. Give me the Lee it, Bailey I mean, package. In me- a car, and I would text him. We'd see him because he was. I mean, he had a. You know, I, and I'm sure still is. Like, had a. He was killing in the G League and stuff like. Like, he was having a very. And I'm like I said, I'm, I, I don't follow him, but I'm sure still having like a very solid pro career. Um, you know, to this day, but but yeah, I I, I was doing anything I wanted with with him. That's for sure. <laughs> Walk me through the Lee Bailey bag. Like, I'm on an island trying to guard Lee Bailey, and you got the ball. Ten seconds on the clock. Like, what are you putting me through? in the gulag of moves what's the go-to we'll see in seconds tie, tie game so i can or, or we, we we down two or no let's tie go tie game. game you can dance you can dance you can what's do anything move? i want all right um i'm probably going i'm probably going to the pull-up i'm probably either going to the pull-up or at some point definitely probably going to the left to right cross and then shooting off of that like that the the, the cross was definitely my go-to and i expect i was like i expanded the bag at chaminade but Regardless, like I was trying to set up either for a hesitation and go and pull up, or I would fake the hesitation and cross and and pull it up. Like I wasn't. I was just, I was just gonna say, hezy, hezy, hezy mid range was was LB just yeah. the, the hezy mid range is at just possession after possession, hezy mid ranges all the time. I, I wasn't a big. I actually wasn't a big handles guy. I feel like people because I was a smaller guard, people think like they just automatically assume you handle a lot, but. I really was more of a, like, let me figure out how to get to, like, my spot. And then, you know, at that point, it was you know, rinse and repeat. Were you a talker, too? Like, when you're just giving David Stockton buckets, are you all of a sudden hitting it with some, well, daddy's not here no more, like, nothing like that? <laughs> uh, I definitely was a talker. Not that game, because they also given it to us during that time. So, it was like, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I, I definitely, I mean, I was, I was a talker. Car knows. We played together in high school, like. You know, you 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 gotta let them know you gave them a bucket every once in a while. So hey, hey, I, I, I didn't, I, I, I didn't just, take my feet, but it depends. Hey, I didn't just get my shit talking from nowhere. G, it was instilled at an early age at Country Day that it's you're not getting a bucket unless you know that the other team knows that you just got they just got a bucket on them. Like you had to let them know a bucket just happened. That's one of my favorite all-time Carter Elliott quotes: "Is what's the point in getting a bucket without letting somebody know that you just got a bucket?" <laughs> I don't let them know they got a bucket. And it was like, we we did like kind of a full court running jump almost at, at Chaminade too. So it was natural to just, once you scored and you were picking up 94 feet, like you're turning, you're already in their chest. Like you just got a bucket. Like, and you might tell them like, I'm about to take, I'm like, I'm going to take this shit from you too. Like in the next <laughs> second, like, you know, like it, it could go anywhere, but I, I definitely, I, you know, not, I would say not unnecessarily, but I, de- you know, I definitely was not quiet. That's for sure. Yeah, the, the quiet is not the word that would come to mind at all. There's uh, definitely a lot of shit talking going on. But I, I kind of want to shift here because we got the NBA playoffs going on right now. And, you know, that's everyone watches the NBA playoffs. And I know you're an avid basketball fan, avid watcher of the game and know your stuff. So I kind of want to just get your thoughts on the playoffs so far and uh, who, who uh, your favorite would be. I mean, I know you've always been Team Bron. You always roll with Bron, but – is you sticking with him this year or what, what's up still tough, still tough for me to bet against Brian. can't lie to you uh and I think the Lakers I mean 
in a weird way, they're they're still in the in the path of getting better. You know, they had so many injuries and they're they're still there. But I mean, I I, I think Brooklyn's gonna be tough to beat four out of seven games. Like they they just got four guys who can and literally have just been going to get 40 like pretty much every night. And you know, like you, you talk about they they're gonna get the three of them are gonna have a hundred plus just within them every night. So I think Brooklyn's going to be tough to beat uh, out of the East. Um, I, I don't – honestly, I, I'm a big, like, you, you got to have a closer. Like, I, I think Milwaukee's a really good team, but at the end of the day, I think uh, – I just – I don't think yet that Giannis has that bag to to close a series out, to, to finish somebody. I think Chris Middleton could be that guy for him. But I don't think they necessarily put Chris Middleton in those positions at the end of the game to where he's the one like maybe Drew and Drew. Uh, you know, I will see if, if, if Drew becomes that guy because I love his game. But, uh, you know, I, I think having Brian and having A.D. like, you know, you know who it's going to Brooklyn. Like I said, it's you got three ways to, you know, who pretty much nobody in the league can stop. So. When, when the playoffs come down, you know, you get to the last two, three minutes in the fourth quarter, like you, you can have all the sets and all the offense and stuff you want, but in the last three minutes, you're putting the ball in your best player's hands and, and they got to make plays. And I think those two teams like got the guys to really do that. And I feel bad saying this because we had Ken Palm on here, who was the God of analytics and that's all good and well, but there were really people out there who tried to tell me that somehow putting James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving on the basketball court at the same time wouldn't work out. Not a good plan. Well, like, I, I think the other thing, too, is, like, I, I think Kyrie – Greg, and, don't. Like, don't be that guy, Greg. Stop. I, 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 go ahead, Lee. Give, they, let's I, give Lee a minute here. I, I was just saying, I, I, I think people underrate the fact that, you know, it was like – and yes, they do put the ball on the floor, but I mean, to me, like Kyrie Irving is a is a shooting guard. He's a two, and I think James is a natural one. So I think people like think, and KD can do anything he wants. So like I, I think having them, it naturally fits as a one, two, three way more than I feel like people would give it credit for thinking of like Kyrie as a point guard and really James Harden as a shooting guard when I think it's reversed. And I think that's why like, I mean, I, everybody knows I'm a, I'm a huge Kyrie fan, whether whether he's best for a team, whether he's best for a team or not. But like one thing I will watch Kyrie Irving play because I know his bag is is really? literally limitless, you know, like in terms of like skill and playmaking abilities. Like, you know, if you ask me one of the like one of the best of all time in terms of actual skill level on a basketball court and what he can do with the ball and finishing around the basket. But I, I, but I think going into the playoffs, having James at the one, Kyrie at the two, and then having KD, who's just like, I shouldn't say KD. I keep putting KD third, like he's third, but having to like KD is just like, I mean, I think he's the most unguardable player in the league. So like, just like you said, you, you, you can talk numbers all you want, but having three guys who can literally go get 40 and 50 points every single night and do it pretty well and efficiently and have been doing it well and efficiently, especially James and KD for, I mean, what, the last five years to, yeah. to 10, you know, like. <clears throat> Greg, so, go, ahead. go ahead and get your shit off, Greg. No, look, first of all, I'm going to say positive things about Brooklyn because they are very clearly a much bigger title threat than I thought they would be. Um, I don't know why. Honestly, like it should have been more obvious to everyone that Brooklyn should probably be the title favorite going into this. But I think like 
the fact that those three weren't playing together for so much of the regular season is probably part of this. Like I honestly just sort of diminished in my mind how good they'd be together because we only saw two of them play together for really the entire season. Um, that said, there's two things that I don't like when it comes playoff time. And one of them is teams whose best player can't take the final shot. Hello, Milwaukee. Like, I don't like the fact that Giannis has to hide or just be waiting around the block for Chris Middleton to go get a buck. Like, that's just not going to win you an NBA title. Um, they'd actually be better if they were running shit for sleepers vote for most improved player, Bryn Forbes, who's been having a breakout off season right now. But I'll digress. Yeah. Hey, um, no, let's, let's, let's not talk about Bryn. Uh, me and Lee got PTSD about Bryn. We don't need that. <laughs> oh, God. We we probably we probably put Brand on the Spurs radar when he wet us up in that in that game. I was at that game, by the way. I was watching that game. Um, it was it was disgusting. But hey, they did that to a lot of people. I was in the same district as them. I saw that happen quite a bit. Sorry, G. I didn't want to throw you off. I really just got the Brent Ford. Uh, yeah, no, it's Brent. He had to do it. Um, the the second thing I don't like though. Probably one of the best players out of Michigan in the last 10 years. I, I mean, definitely one of the best, you know, probably top five careers out of Michigan players. And we were decade. just, we were talking about that just in our little group text. Like, is Bryn the greatest career out of Lansing? Like, all of a sudden, that's an argument with the next contract he's about to get and what he's doing in this playoffs, um, which is nuts. I mean, his career has been insane to watch from literally growing up watching him hoop with Zach Hurth at court one three times a week to, doing this in the NBA playoffs is nuts. But um, the second, the second thing I don't like, which Brooklyn still falls into is teams who don't know who's the best player who should be taking the last shot. They know, they know. Kyrie doesn't. Kyrie does. Kyrie, Kyrie does. Kyrie does. Kyrie doesn't Carter. Oh, he knows. He knows that Kevin Durant is that Kevin Durant is the best player on the nets. I, you don't have to tell me this. You Kyrie have to tell Kyrie Irving that. this. And listen, all I'm going to say is they're they're good enough. They're going to run through the East. I'll be surprised if it goes seven against really anybody in the East. I mean, maybe Milwaukee, maybe Philly, but I doubt it. Um, partially because Giannis and Ben Simmons aren't guys that you can play through in the playoffs. But I think like I, I want to see this Brooklyn team in a tight series because they are so prone to emotional meltdowns. Like they just are. And I get that when they're more talented, they don't really have to, but like they lost one game to the Celtics and we've got Kyrie stomping on logos and calling a whole city out for racism, which I know is a very real thing, but like, it's just a lot going on there that like in a seven game series against LeBron James with a title on the line, do you really want all that from a guy who you claim knows he's not the best player? Like, I don't know. I think Kyrie's going to either be grumpy he's not getting shots or be vocal that he should be getting shots or there's just going to be some drama that will get in the way of them winning a title. I mean, I think Kyrie is like, I mean, I think we'll see Kyrie in the NBA for maybe like two to three more years. Like, I think Kyrie is, you know, he's got other things on his mind, but I that'll help Brooklyn. So I don't think he'll necessarily, I don't think he'll complain about getting enough shots. One, I think he'll go if, – if he's not getting enough shots, I think he'll just go take more shots. He'll shoot more. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't think he'll have he'll have that issue. But I don't think Kyrie at this point in his career, like, minds being that second or, you know, even third fiddle in, in, in this case. Um, 
for the next, especially when it comes down the stretch. Granted, he does, like, you know, we all, you know, watch the game. You think that he's about to give it up to KD, and the next thing you know, he's right in that bag and shooting it himself. But like, Which I, know, act I, like, I, I, I act like that's a bad option. Like, it's obviously not. Like, Kyrie could go out and win a title himself doing that if, like, God forbid, something happens to KD or Harden, like, and he needs to do that. He could go there. He's good enough. But I'm just saying, I don't – I'm never going to trust Kyrie Irving mentally ever since he – intentionally threw out the, oh, this is the first player I've ever played with that could make that shot. Like, you're disrespecting the greatest player of our generation. Are we sure he's all the way there mentally right now? Like, I'm supposed to trust this man? I mean, Kyrie is probably just like, I mean, we've, I, 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 I know, I, Carter, I'm pretty sure I've, we've talked about this clip, but uh, the one where they asked Kyrie, like, if LeBron has been like a good father figure to him, like, People have tried to like sun Kyrie and LeBron yeah. like from the time. So I can get and I, I I know probably Kyrie does not hate Bron, so I should say like as a hate for him. But there is probably an annoyance that for the first, you know, I mean Kyrie was playing some great basketball in Cleveland. Granted, doesn't have wasn't doing it that well without Bron, but you know, it, it's probably hard growing up and having you know your championship year and your great year and people are you already know once you step into the room people are going to ask you about lebron james so right. but yeah nope. that was a low point. nobody so, wants, nobody wants to be sunned but so let's fast forward to the nba finals 3-3 game 6 kyrie goes for 40 and kd hits the game winner and in the post game press conference somebody asked kyrie kyrie what's it like to sit there and watch kevin durant take you to a game 7 you really like, is he just going to be fine with that? There's going to be no issue there. I, I think he would. I mean, I, I do think if, if the media is doing their job, well, they're going to frame the question. Just like, like you framed it in the way that it's like, right. I'm going to get a reaction out of him. Yeah. Like I, so I, I do think they will try because I mean, that that's their job and that's what, that, that's what gets the clicks these days and, and gets the views. But I, I truly don't like, I truly don't think Kyrie is going to be like, I think by him being in Brooklyn and encouraging the other guys to come, like I, I, I don't think that he'll he'll complain about not taking the last shot. We we need to make sure Greg doesn't get a media pass. It sounds like because he's he's gonna be in there asking asking any damn thing. That's just how you like. I was like, that was pretty good to get a reaction out of somebody. Just, right there. Oh man, I I have such a hard time with Kyrie, you guys. I really do, and like I'm still I'm even trying to process this whole saga of this week, like. The, the Boston racism stuff is 100% real. And the way that one Boston fan responded to it was stupid and horrible and just like totally tone deaf. But like at the same time, like I've hated Kyrie Irving for a long time for a lot of reasons. And like yeah. I, I, from a fan, not, not a, as a person, like I don't hate any basketball players as a person unless they do something really stupid. But I can't even think of one off the top of my head. But like I do. I, I'm dumb. Yeah. Like, are you telling me like, like, are we allowed to hate players like yes. this? Like is Kyrie Irving hateable by me as like a white basketball fan? Or does that cross some line that like I'm uncomfortable with now? You know what I mean? It, it, it's to me, it's, 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 it's too, it's twofold. So like you cannot like Kyrie as a basketball player, but I feel like people are really crossing the line to where it's getting to the area where they're just saying, I hate Kyrie. I'm sick of Kyrie. It's just, it's not really as a basketball thing because usually when people put up these posts or these tweets or anything, it's nothing basketball related with Kyrie. It's more just, just the hatred towards him as a person. 
which kind of crosses the line. And like I said, with the first time, with the first reaction to his comments, the it was very telling what happened afterwards, why Boston or why people think Boston is the way it is, because people kind of show their true colors once he made those comments. And they're continuing to do the same thing with this whole logo stomping thing. Can they be pissed about that? Of course. But like they're also doing these these situations where they're like basically attacking Kyrie and taking it way beyond basketball. And it, at the end of the day, it's still basketball, no matter how much money they make, no matter what's going on. At the end of the day, he's still he's a basketball player, but he's also a person. You know what I'm saying? And the fact that we got to hear from Glenn Big Baby Davis commenting on this and KG's over here trying to tell me how to tote a moral line. Like you literally told a grown man, his wife tasted like honey nut Cheerios. And you want to tell me like what is crossing the line and what is disrespectful? Like dog, you told Charlie Villanueva he had cancer because he was bald. Like when I'm talking about toting moral lines, I don't really want to talk to KG about that. That'd be like asking Floyd Mayweather if he can teach me how to read. It's stupid. He can't read. So like, that's the type of stuff that just kind of rubs me the wrong way. It's the aftermath of things. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of, I mean, just like you said, these guys are people. I mean, they're they're playing NBA, they're in the NBA, and yes, they're working out, you know, maybe two, three hours a day and recovering, maybe another two, three hours a day, which is heavy if you want to give it six hours. But, you know, they have 18 hours where, you know, they, they have their own lives. They still, have, they still go home and have their own families and have, you know, their own friends and conversations. And I think people put them on this platform and whenever people get put up on a platform, you know, the, their emotions don't get put on that platform. So I think Kyrie, I mean, he said it, he's going to speak up about stuff that he, that he, you know, doesn't like. Now, granted, do I think, you know, the thumbing on the logo and stuff, is that, is that excessive and stuff? Like, can he get excessive? Yes. But he's made it very clear, like from the jump that he didn't even really want to play at, you know, like, even in the, bu- you know, in the bubble and in different situations, like he's made it clear, like, I don't, I don't care. Like there's other things going on in, in, in his head that he's really focused on and, and wants to put his time to. And I don't think necessarily even gets highlighted enough for how much Kyrie does off the court. And I think if they did, hi- because, because that's, again, that's not what, that's not what gets the clicks, you know, Kyrie yeah. donating money and, and, you know, buying balls and building courts and stuff is, is nice, but it doesn't get the traction as, Kyrie, you know, going off on Boston fans. Right. Like, right. like you don't, you don't, you you don't like Kyrie because of the fact that like he's not like passing enough or he doesn't do something on the basketball court. There's people out there who literally just hate Kyrie for everything he does. Like Kyrie will do this and then be like, wow, why is Kyrie even talking about that? Like he buys yeah. he buys no, course, he does like stuff, and I feel like people just hate him because of that. Like it's it's a difference. And that's like, true i also like so i i can also separate it like i think what like you just said lee Kyrie's done a ton of very positive things for the world like the the role model of Kyrie irving in one side is great and a lot of people should look up to him he should get way more praise than he does but at the same time like you mentioned the basketball stuff like i i i love watching him ball handle i don't necessarily love like the way he plays off of others always and i think like I don't know. There's just dumb shit. Like even way back, like he said, the earth was flat. Like this man has found his way into weird pathways of like trying to be super intellectual that like, I just don't know. And it's hard. It's hard for me as a white fan right now to like square that up with what he just said about the racism stuff, because like, that's all real. 
Like, I don't want that to be mistaken for like my dislike for Kyrie Irving coming from that place. But then like at the same week, he's stomping on a logo for no reason. I'm just picturing like if Andre Drummond did to the Pistons, what Kyrie Irving did to the Celtics, like we would hate Andre Drummond so much. And that wouldn't be like race related or other things related. I got where you're at. I said not needed for some of us, but uh, I definitely got where you're going with that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I mean, just, just, just like you said, if if anybody did it and I think a lot of people, if any other player did some of the stuff he did in the league, they would be annoyed by it. But I, I don't agree with the logo stomping. That's, that's just that. (laughs) Like I, I just say that, but I do think like other stuff, like, to me, it's kind of just like a who cares type of thing. Like, yeah. I, I get it. You might not like that's not what you want to see. Like, you know, he was doing the saging and had the walking stick and stuff. And I'm like, is that fully necessary? Like, probably not. But do I care? Like, not really. Like, it doesn't change my day to day at all. And Kyrie will still be suited up. And as long as he's, you know, as long as his saging isn't messing up anybody else's routine, like, Truthfully, I don't, I don't see the, you know, the, the positive, well, I, I get the positive benefits of, of Sage and things like that, but you yeah. know, I, as a fan, like, I don't really care, but I do think he's just like one of those guys that, like you said, it's, it's over and over again, where it's, you know, Kyrie Irving said this, like, he's just like the guy that is constant. And I think sometimes when you're that constant one, that's just like out there, like it's, it's the boy that cried wolf sites situation. Like, yeah. Yes, some of the things he says are very real, and some of the things he says are, you know, just should be very impactful. But when you're the, also the same guy, just like you said, that's yelling, "The Earth is flat," like your 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 juice starts to run out. You know, like people aren't <laughs> taking what you're saying as serious. So right, hey, he's a polarizing dude. It's definitely better when he's playing, though. I'll say that. Like I'm, it, yeah. this whole playoffs has been a lot more fun to watch because he's active in the lineup. So. And uh, shout out to that kid who threw the Dasani bottle. Don't drop the soap. Yeah, unreal. Definitely don't. Definitely don't drop the soap. And then that's that's <laughs> another thing. Like I don't know if you guys saw. It was like a clip of a of a Knicks fan like spitting at Trey, and I don't think it hit him. But it's just like you know, like I get we're fans and we want to be passionate about our teams and stuff like that. But just like I said, like th- these athletes are are people first at the end of the day. Like they're emotional beings just like the rest of us that have good and bad days whether they're playing well or not you know we don't know what these guys are you know going through their head at home and and then their personal life and you go out there and treat them you know worse than you probably would a legit animal at the zoo you know and and expect them not to have you know like oh you're you're rich so you shouldn't care like that's just not the case so I do think like they should they do need to like start making an example out of some of these fans because there definitely needs to be like that solid line as terms of like yes you can yell stuff you know and like i love i love the knicks fans with the you know f trey young and all that like i look like i love that energy like you can be hostile fans that's okay but like just like i said there needs to be like a a, a very firm and like solid line as to you know what you can say and being supportive and you know trying to throw somebody off and then like actually just being like you know completely disrespectful and like to any like to not even of the game but like as a person like you do that to anybody whether they're an athlete or not like they're gonna take it personal you know so and I just hope that for that fan that did throw that they need to add some charges to that one for throwing a $15 water bottle that you just bought a concession stand two for buying Dasani water in the first place 
three for missing and four for wearing that fake ass Kevin Garnett jersey with the big ass letters. How the letters bigger than the number? Like that's he clearly was just not, you know, it's some people that just aren't there, you know. We we the tailgate might have, you know, it might have might have got the best of him, but I guess, like I said, I'm not gonna be one to make excuses for the guy. Like he did what he did, and like I said, I think you know he should he should get the worst that it couldn't be me. <laughs> Yeah, we need people to just be decent again. Like, stop being assholes. It's not that. It's really – It's I, I literally said this before, and I don't even want to go off on it again, G, but it is so easy to be a good person. It's not hard at all, like, to be a good person. It's very, very easy. If you can't do it, you should try it. It won't take that much out of you, I promise. Like, just do that. I feel better. Yeah, just, we- just, just go to the game and don't spit. We're not asking a lot of you. Just don't spit at people. Like we that. need to clip this. This is our two-minute public service announcement from the sleepers. Just be good people. Please stop. Like, why? Why do you wake up and just get excited about the awful things you're going to do at a basketball game as a fan? Like, what? Like, the, who? the dude that ran on the court. Like, what? Why? Right. He didn't even slap the backboard. He didn't even get bouncy. Like, what? <laughs> Come on, man. At least grab the rim. Like, well, go out there and make a fucking impact. There's no chance that, that man could touch the backboard. Let's be real. No chance. Yeah, true. But, yeah, that, just like you say, I mean, just, you know, just be decent. And remember that these guys have a, uh, these guys have a, you know, they got, these guys have a life. They don't, they're not shunned from things. So don't go to the game and don't do something you wouldn't do to a legit lion at the zoo. Not to, compare these guys to animals or anything but at the end of the day like you're showing up and they're entertaining you and you know they have injury and all type of other things that they're worried about and you're out there just going the extra mile to be a dick for no reason (laughs) yeah and mental health matters man like this naomi osaka stuff like that's a real thing people go through so yeah car you got it right there like kudos to her women do not owe you shit they don't (laughs) And, and and they they definitely do not and, and and neither do and neither do the athletes. So you know what I mean. Just just don't just like I said. Just just be a good. It it, it takes literally no effort to not be a dick. So like literally zero. It's pretty. It's actually pretty. Like, like, what are people's friends like? Are they like like are they turning around giving them high fives? Like oh that was dope. Like it's just stupid. Like it, it's not cool. Like you know what I mean. Like I don't. I just truly don't get it. I just picture you like coming into the group, like, did you see that? Did you see me throw that bottle or something like that? And I'm like, Sweet. yeah, like his his, <laughs> <Nope>. his voice, <laughs> like, nice, bro. You you almost got oh yeah, dog, you got him. like, no, oh, what? Like, uh, almost got him. <laughs> almost got him. Like, almost got him. Like, come on now. But uh, LB, I appreciate the time. So I do, I do got to wrap it up with my question that Greg. I feel like he doesn't want me to ask, but I'm gonna ask oh. it anyway. I'm nervous. So Lee has played with a lot of good players over his time and his whole lifespan from AAU with the Mustangs to team Detroit back in the day. I mean, he's played with multiple D one NBA players before. So I need you to pick your Lee Bailey all time starting five with players that you played with. Wait, wait, wait. I have to, I, I have to get some parameters on this while he builds this in his head. Okay. Is the goal to win at the highest level, this is him trying to win a game at the highest competitive level that he could, or is it his favorite five? Like, what? Are, what is he building here, Carter? Mm. Is it like the most talented at the time when I was playing with them, or like career-wise? You know, like 
Okay, let's go. Let's stick with most talented when you played with them and you're trying to win the game. You're trying to win the game. All right. Well, first, you know, I gotta go with my my dog Ray McCallum. Like that that one was a lock. Wait, Ray also give us the give us like the time frame. Like when did you play with Ray? Yeah. This is high school Ray, I assume. Uh, yeah, I played high school from my sophomore, my sophomore and junior year. Uh I played with Ray and like I would say like he was one of the first. People I truly saw that I was like, okay, like that, that's a pro. Like I remember pro. we were like, <laughs> pro and like I was working hard and I was doing well. And like it was, I wouldn't say it was like, it was like a little, I wouldn't, I shouldn't say animosity because I never did because obviously it wasn't his choice, but like I, I could have potentially started that year, you know, like as a, as a young sophomore on a really good team. And then Ray came, man, but it was, it was just like we were at Summer League and Robin this. I remember you like tossed the ball up between the legs just punched it probably the second layup of the game. And we started looking around like, all right, like, uh, <laughs> <this guy might laughs> he's good. <laughs> yeah, he's good. But, um, so definitely Ray. Um, I mean, at the time, same thing. I mean, my, my, my brother who I played from time I was like nine years old all the way through high school is Amir Williams. I mean, he's had injuries and some other things in his pro career, but he's still having a great pro career at that. But I mean, at high, in high school, he was just dominant. Like it was times where like, I feel like I had such a good like college career because like, I didn't even feel like I got to use any moves in high school. Cause it was like every time Amir's pinning somebody at zero feet from the rim. So it's like, all right, like I look stupid if I don't throw it to him at this point. But I mean, he was like, you know, it, it was impossible to lay the ball up on him. He was dominant on the inside. So definitely got to put Amir in there. Um, uh definitely at the time oh I didn't I played only played with him in one tournament but we played on the same programs but I have to go in high school Maurice Jones like he was in high school at Arthur Hill like he was just he was called like he was a year older than me but he was a player I, I definitely would look up to in terms of his you know playmaking ability and just overall skill and I mean he's still a great pro to this day um but he was really good. Uh, at five-star camp in high school one summer, I was on the same team as Tony Roden. And I don't know if you guys remember him, but out of Seattle, uh, Tony Roden was nice. Like, he was one of the <laughs> like – I haven't heard that name in forever. Tony Roden was, I, I, Tony Roden was he, different. Seattle Rotary, Tony Roden, different. Seattle Rotary. I mean, he was, like, one of the first, like, action-packed. Like, you know, like, he was – he was good and he was dominant and also doing it like with Blair. So Saudi run, it was super nice. And then at the four, it's tough, but I mean, I, I gotta go with, I gotta go with uh, Lansing finest buckets. I knew, uh, I knew, I knew he was getting in the lineup somehow. I mean, but buckets was just the, the, the name speaks for itself. Like, you know, he, he, he was really, he, I mean, just, just as I said for other guys still is like really like that. Could go get a bucket in many ways at any time he wants. And, you know, he, he would bless us and play and play with us when he, when he wasn't busy uh, playing up at the time. So, but, but buckets was for sure. I really like as a kid growing up five minute drive from Lansing Eastern where buckets played, like I straight up thought that kid was the next LeBron James. Like he had that type of hype. And I was also so like unexposed to like, 
inner city basketball and high level players. Like I just thought like every high school was a bunch of white Lansing Catholic kids. So like I'm seeing, like we would go practice at the field house and then like summer league would end. And it's like, Oh, check out this eighth grader, like already doing these workouts and he's doing crazy shit. Like his footwork was already so advanced. His fallaways, like his touch as a shooter, he was running, like he legitimately ran sprints for like an hour of our practice by himself in the gym. And I'm just like, this kid's work ethic is a pro right now. Like it was fun for me to watch his career develop as he grew. I remember in eighth grade, we had a, it was like an all-star game. And um, we had like our little Detroit segment. I feel like up until high school of like, it was like the league. I'm, I'm sure Carter remembers like it was Comet Bond, RNG all-stars, the family power stroke, like, it was like the little Detroit circuit. You saw all super friends. You saw all the same teams, like, in the same leagues. And they were good. And then all of a sudden, like, we're in this all-star game and Buckets walks in and, like, literally we're in eighth grade and just dunking everything. Like, we're doing the little warm-up, three-man weave drill. And Buckets just, you know, strong left, just punching it every time. We're like, who is this kid? Like, then we start playing it. Obviously, he started doing whatever he wanted out there because, like, he was like that, but uh, yeah, Buck, Buck is Buck is my guy. But I, w- I would say out of the top five, definitely have to go Mo, Mo Jones, Ray, Tony Roden, Buckets, and Amir. <laughs> That's how you know you're a bucket. Like literally, people have been calling him Buckets since like 2010. Like. That's what that's what he's been known as. And he it's not even like he had a dumb name. Like LaDante Henton is one of the greatest hoop names ever. And like yeah, he was great. just that much of a bucket. He had to like nah, bucket. bucket buckets will work. Uh, actually, I'll go about buckets. Thanks. Actually, I'll go with buckets. Thank you. Uh, noticeable omission from your list, Lee. One Carter Elliott. I'm not even mad at that, to be honest. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm yeah, definitely yeah. on the depth chart on players that Lee's played with. Carter got on that list. Come on, man. It's my pod. <laughs> Damn it. You're not on the list either. Fuck off. <laughs> and, and, I, and I'm fine with that. I'm very fine with that. <laughs> yeah, I'm good with being behind Amir and Buckets. I'll be honest with you. That ain't an insult. No. It's not a shabby list. Definitely not no, a shabby Not at all. <laughs> not at all. Lee, this is fun, man. Thank you for doing this. No, of course, man. I appreciate y'all having me. Just like I said, I, I love the show. Um, definitely a huge supporter and uh, appreciate you guys taking the time out and having me on for sure. Sure. And we're, we'll be sure to drop um, Lee's socials in the comments below. Uh, I believe it. it's at Lee Bailey and the second in Roman numerals. Is that the, uh, unless you changed it, it used to be LB the Great, but it's, it's yeah, not it anymore. Honestly, I, I love LB the Great, and I, and a lot of people still call me that regardless, even though I, I That's classic. It, it was just like I was going. It was like too many times I was like out at like work stuff, and they'd be like, "All right, you know." Especially these days, we're like, "Oh, like what's your what's your Instagram?" Like you know, check you out real quick. I'm be like, "Uh, LB the Great," and these people were like, "Who is this guy?" Like, so I had to switch it up for work purposes, but it's yeah. always. I, I might have to do that. I might have to do. I might have to do that for myself since my ad name is at Big Washed. But uh, until then, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep maintaining the Wash brand. But yeah, make sure y'all follow Lee on all socials. Uh, also follow IFC as well. They're doing a lot of pre-draft stuff with Quentin Grimes from Houston and also DJ Stewart from Mississippi State. I know they got um, a lot of stuff coming up, a lot of media things. They got workouts that they kind of post on there too. That's cool to watch. So. You know, kind of follow them through this pre-draft process. And uh, as Greg said, we appreciate you coming on, LB. You know you always got an open invite on the show. Always. Right. 
Hey, 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 team sleeper has been, been here since the locker room, but hey, yes, sir. You know the game. <laughs> Peace, brother. Peace, bro.